What's up, Literacy Advocates? It's me, your host, Timmy Bauer, and my guest today is Nancy Garrity. She's the Senior Director of Early Childhood at Scholastic. Nancy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Timmy. It's great to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you, Nancy. So in our last conversation, I asked you about a commonly held belief that you passionately disagree with. You said that, or, or just a common practice that you passionately disagree with, and you said that most curricula has SEL tacked on versus weaved into the curriculum. So first of all, what do you mean by that? Um, well, I mean that uh, in, in our experience <laughs> and, and in my experience, um, I work in the, at the pre-K level and I've done sort of pre-K through two, um, but in recent years, my focus has been at the pre-K level. And we look, when we look at what's out there in classrooms for teachers to use, um, as curricula and when we talk to teachers about what they're currently doing and where they have to sort of supplement and weave things together themselves um, in a way that can be challenging if you're not an experienced teacher. One of the things that came up is that sometimes they have a curriculum that teaches something in particular certain academic skills and then they have a separate SEL program that's sort of stuck with it but not fully integrated. And we had the opportunity into building this um, new pre-K program that we just made to really sort of decide how we wanted it to be. Um, so we were fortunate to be able to really weave everything in from the get-go. Yeah, um, I have a, que a why question I wanna ask you right off of that. But before I do that, just to kind of set the conversation, when you talk about SEL, what do you mean possibly as opposed to how other people think about it? Sure, and I can even tell you what I used to think about it and what okay. I now think about it. Tell me. <laughs> it's been part of our growth. So um, one of the things that, that I love about working at Scholastic is that whenever we develop a new program, we partner with people who are experts on that particular topic or that particular way of teaching. Um, so we're sort of involving the, the science of learning from out in the world. So one of the things that we did with this program and a few of our other ones um, was we worked with folks from the Yale Child Study Center um, and Dr. Linda Mays in particular. So really early on, we looked at um, pre-K standards. So what sorts of things are young children expected to know and be able to do by the time they reach kindergarten? And then we had some informal meetings with Linda and some folks from her staff to really talk through, right, if these are the things that we think children need to learn and be able to do, where are the problems? Where do they bump into issues? And as we sort of dove into different things, what kept popping up were social and emotional skills, which we knew um, were, were a critical part of that, but also executive function skills and then just being motivated and, and having creativity skills were also part of that mix. So we sort of put together what we call our mind builder skills, which incorporate those social and emotional um, and executive function and, and motivation and creativity. And the, the executive function stuff is more like um, working memory and being able to identify a problem and then work through steps to solve it. So those sort of um, self-regulatory skills, yeah. in addition to the more traditional social and emotional, talk about your feelings, being able to you know, have empathy for others, um, those sorts of things. So my, my understanding of SEL sort of broadened through our work with Yale, which is exciting. Yeah. Was that your biggest um, like um, evolution was thinking of SEL as talk, being able to talk about your feelings and process your emotions into these other things that you're calling mind builder skills? I think some of it was that I thought that some of the things that are executive function skills were more 
social and emotional skills. But they're basically, you know, through talking with Linda and where these different things happen in the brain and what they relate to, um, I learned that they're actually pretty different and they're, they're linked in different ways. So I still think of them all as important and under the same umbrella, but I guess I think of it in a little bit more of a nuanced way. Some of those self-regulation skills, I guess, I, I sort of thought of as, as emotional and not all of them are. Some of them are more cognitive. But they're What's all an example? Part of the puzzle. Um, I would say like, um, I think it's like taking another perspective, I think I okay. thought of, which is related to empathy. I would think of that as an emotional skill, but I yeah, I, I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they're really closely related and I think equally important um, in the bigger picture. And, and just going back to why we started having those conversations at all, if we want children to succeed in school, and in life beyond, we want them to learn these things we think are important, those social and emotional and executive function and those motivational um, foundations are really important or they're gonna interfere down the road. Yeah. So that was that was really great to learn early on. Why do you think that um, a lot of curricula tax it on? And uh, why do you think it's so important that it's integrated? I think that, um, it's hard to integrate it. It's, okay. hard. it's like a puzzle, you know, putting together. And especially if you're developing a, like a full day curriculum, which a lot of preschools like to use, it's hard to make all the pieces align. Um, and sometimes people just sort of think that's not my area of expertise. I'm gonna, you know, just defer to someone else who can develop that part so I know it's right. But if it's not fully integrated, it's not as valuable. Um, and part of it, you and I talked a little bit about this before, the, that the research out of the Aspen Institute um, and other organizations identifying greater gains um, for children who have been in situations where that social emotional learning is integrated and happens throughout the day. So not just in circle time in the morning and then you sort of put it away. You introduce it and then you revisit it and you connect it to their other learning. And that- Yeah, talk to me about that. What do you mean by greater gains? The greater gains, like um, some of the research that's out there, and, and we're lucky now that um, people have been studying pre-K and the benefits of pre-K for a pretty long time now. So there's some longitudinal studies coming out um, with results. And one of them showed that kids who, who are in a high quality pre-K that has the academic learning and the, and the social and emotional learning are about eight months ahead on their academic skills and about five months ahead on their executive function skills when they start kindergarten, if they've had that solid foundation. Um, and then some of the more longitudinal ones that look at, at kids in high school and beyond show that um, kids who have that strong start are more likely to graduate um, high school and they're more likely to graduate college and they're less likely um, to encounter um, sort of behavioral issues and even uh, less likely to be incarcerated. So it's really, mm. Kind of great news. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. When the, when I started picking up on this like big push for SEL, mm -hmm. I was pretty, um, mm, I don't know what the best way to describe it, but it was very much like, this all sounds very fluffy and not super, it feels like people are making a bigger deal out of something than really they should. I mean, isn't it important that we just teach kids skills? Like that's kind of been, that's, I'm painting myself in a really negative light there. It wasn't exactly that bad, but that was my, like, <laughs> that, was, that was where, where I went a lot of the times. And, um, uh, sometimes depending on what tweet I'm reading, I still kind of get that feeling, but mm -hmm. talk to me about, um, 
like what you're calling mind builder skills, why they're not fluffy, unimportant things. Um, and I'd love to have you get tactical and practical in, in how you um, teach them in a lesson. Sure. So I would say um, that a lot of people have that feeling that you have. And I think honestly, that's also a lot of the times why it ends up being separate. It just seems unimportant, but it's really not. If you, if you don't have success with those foundational skills, you're not gonna be successful with those academic skills. That's part of the problem. Um, and I can tell you just as an aside, whenever we talk about the mind builder skills in our office, which is full of adults, I wish we had more young children in our offices, but we don't. Um, but nine times out of 10, there's always someone in our office who says, we need to learn those skills. <laughs> so we sort of dive into what they are, <laughs> yeah. especially the executive function things. Um, so yeah, you're definitely not alone there. But I think that the research shows that if kids don't develop those skills early on, they're going to run into trouble later on. And, and I can give you some examples. So one of the things that we did um, when we built our curriculum, because we're scholastic and, and we're the, the world's largest publisher and distributor of children's books, which I know you love too. Um, yep. We start at all of our learning with a really great book. So part of that sort of hard work that we did early on was looked at, you know, here's, here's what we say kids need to be able to know and do, both in terms of skills and in content knowledge. Like we want them to learn about science. We want them to learn about social studies and the arts, all those different things. We want them to be able to count. We want them to know their letters and their letter sounds, um, all of those skills. And we also want them to develop these mind builders that we know are the things that power all that other learning. Where are the wonderful books that we can use to spark all that learning? So that's yeah. really sort of where we, where we hung our hats throughout the, the work. Um, so I can give you an example. Yeah. Um, one of What'd the books pick? that we chose was I Am a Cat by Gally Bernstein which was one of my early favorites, still one of my favorites. Um, it's a book about uh, Simon the house cat who meets some cats from the jungle. He meets, well, not all from the jungle, but big cats from the wild. Um, he meets a cheetah, a puma, a tiger, and they're all just having conversation and talking about whether or not Simon is also part of the cat family. And each cat sort of brags about what it can do. And Simon says, well, you know, I have claws, my eyes see in the dark. And um, it's really funny. And it's it's also a very sort of social emotional book because these big cats laugh at Simon and he's this little guy. So in the end, they all learn, of course, from each other. They, they learn to think flexibly and think about what makes a cat a cat. So kids are learning all this great science content. Um, and this book sparks really you know fun hands-on lessons, really fun sort of opportunities to act things out. And you're talking about taking another perspective, you're talking about um, thinking flexibly, all while you're learning the science content and getting a laugh because it's a funny book. So it's a great book. And I think in terms of, you know, your interest in terms of literacy, when we think yeah. flexibly and thinking about the skills that, um, that kids need to be able to, to learn as they go along, there's a little bit of a story twist in there. So being able to, you know, think one thing as the story's going on and then, ah, there's a yeah, what do you mean by think flexibly? Think flexibly. So example, so in the beginning of the, of the story, um, the other cats didn't think that Simon was a cat because uh -huh. he couldn't leap as high as they could because he didn't live in the junk with all these sort of specific examples. But then yeah. as you go through the book, you see, well, here are the things that really make a cat a cat. And those other things aren't what define a cat. So just thinking flexibly about what, what makes a cat. So 
sort of expanding that to the other things that children are going to need to learn and be able to do, there's sort of, um, you know, the, the easy, one of the easy examples is multiple meaning words, which we also teach throughout the book. So like teaching a, a young child that a duck can be a duck, but a duck can also mean to duck. That's really hard for some kids to be able to, to manage those multiple meanings or groom, like groom a horse or groom who's getting married. Okay. Or another example is once the, and this, they start to do this in pre-K and do it more in, in K and one, but when they start to think about letters and letter sounds, you sort of, and you see this with kids inventive spelling when they're writing early on, whenever they want to write a word that has the k sound, they'll write letter C because that's the one they tend to learn first. And then yeah. later on, they have to know, oh, right, K also makes the k sound and CK yeah. together can make the k sound. And sometimes like a Q can make a k sound, you know, it's, yeah. it, the English is a rough language. So to oh, be yeah, able to have those practice moments where you're thinking flexibly can can help you later on sort of flexing those muscles and developing those skills um so that's yeah. one example let's talk about ish the other book that you brought up as an example yeah i love ish too so that's a peter reynolds book um i don't know if you're familiar with that one but no it's, no it's story tell me about this, it this kid named ramon um who's an artist and he draws and his older brother looks at what he's drawing and is like, oh, I don't know about that. I don't know if that's really a drawing. And so Ramon's sort of frustrated and thinks, you know, well, maybe I'm not an artist. I don't know. And he keeps crumpling the things that he's making and throwing them away. Um, and then he discovers um, that his sister has been collecting his crumpled drawings and putting them on the wall in her room. She thinks they're beautiful. And he's like, well, you know, it's not exactly what I, what I meant it to be. It looks a little different. And she says, yes, but it's, 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 I think he was drawing a vase and she said, it's vase ish or it's flower ish, mm -hmm. whatever, okay. whatever that might be. It's, you know, it's your version of that. And that's beautiful. And I want to hang that on my wall. So it's again, learning to sort of, um, see your work, uh, from your own perspective and take pride in what you can do, um, is sort that's of so hard what he learns. Yeah, it's really hard. And it's really, really hard for pre-K children. Cause you know, if you know any young kids, their skills really, are really hard place. for 30 year old children. It's very hard for 30 year old children. Anytime you're in a situation, especially, I mean, even when you're by yourself, but when you're comparing yourself to others and when little kids are in school for the first time and they're seeing, you know, other kids can already put their shoes on by themselves and I'm still working on that. And, you know, it's really hard. So anytime you can find something to celebrate, is awesome and just um, be really proud of it. And they're, I mean, they're gonna have to persist and keep going in so many different ways. It's um, again, you know, back to your thinking that, you know, SEL is easy. I think people think, oh, ABCs are easy, but it's 52 letters kids have to have to learn to recognize it. The 26 lowercase, 26 uppercase. And then all the sounds like, that's a lot that yeah. kids are learning and it's, you know, it's, it's hard for them to learn. So anytime you can sort of celebrate what you can do along the way, it gives you that, um, that sort of, uh, I don't know, ability to persist, I think, and, and keep going when you can remember what yeah. you've done so far and set little goals along the way is great too. When I think about the book that you just talked about, it makes me think about imposter syndrome. Um, I don't know what the opposite of that is as a mind builder skill or what, what you're tackling there. What is it? The sort of, uh, you know, fake it till you make it kind of, <laughs> kind of thing. I, think it's, it's not really I hate that. the philosophy I mean, of fake it till you make it personally. I know. No, it's really, and this is something um, that Sesame Street does, actually. They have a whole song. Janelle Monae sings a song called The Power of Yet. 
And it's really about not being there yet, but you're on your way. You're getting there little by little. And it's really, you know, it's Carol Dweck and, and um, her mindset philosophy um, where, you know, it's if you can break things into to little goals and celebrate your progress along the way, it really gives you the, the will to, to persist and to keep going. And yeah, it's hard impact. because it's so embarrassing when you're on the way. Like I can look back at artwork that I made when I was a teen, like there's a certain age where it's like everything I made was cute and adorable. And like, yeah. of course my mom put it on the fridge. And then there's this awkward phase where everything that you make is cringy. Yeah. And uh, it's really hard to celebrate that. <laughs> but I'm if you sure don't you go through something. that, <laughs> <laughs> if you don't go through it, then you don't, you don't end up, I mean, you have right. everyone who wants to pursue like a creative career, for example, has right. to go through this phase where everything that you're making is very cringy. Yeah. I'm not a good artist, but I mean, I'm, I'm horrible at drawing hands, really horrible at drawing hands. But, you know, my earliest attempt at drawing a hand is worse than my current attempt at drawing a hand. So, you know, I'm making progress. It's better. Yeah. yeah. The thing that I try to think about is that there's something intrinsically interesting about somebody's process of developing into something. Mm -hmm. So like if you're, say you're pursuing a creative career and you're just posting stuff about your process, or if we translate this to um, like early education, if you're if you're writing constantly and you're just mm -hmm. delivering work that is you know full of creative spelling, um, that's part of the process of becoming. Uh, I, I mean, that's part of the process of becoming competent at a creative uh, skill, mm -hmm. and uh, I would say there's something intrinsically interesting about the process, so that you can be proud of the fact that you are developing into something, and you can say like, yeah, this is where I'm at right now. But it's hard. It's hard to adopt that mentality. Like it was really, really hard for me to, when I published my first book, Billy the Dragon, I still have the old version of it because I went back and re-illustrated the whole thing later on. Oh and the version of it that I sell now is the re-illustrated version. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the old one is like, oof. Um, I've got it on my <laughs> shelf right here. It's got, uh, I'm gonna pick it up. It's got uh, the watercolors uh, that, I, that I used to be able to do when I was, um, I want to say my early 20s, uh -huh. um, like I, I have developed a lot because I mean, this really looks like if you scanned a bunch of, um, uh, you know, messy watercolor drawings into a scanner and then like, you know, used an old version of Photoshop to put text on top of it. Like that's what this book looks like. And that's because that's exactly what I did. But I had to, I had to just accept um, that, uh, okay, I'm going to get this thing out because I want to be somebody that spends my life pursuing this as a creative career. Mm -hmm. And so why not just have all the books that I make along my life be these milestones of like, that's where I was at in 2014. Mm -hmm. And then this is where I'm at in 2019. And this is where I'm at in 2020. And I would say that's the only way to do it. Like yeah. you, you're not going to have a creative career if you can't adopt that mentality. But I don't know what the trick is to helping kids to adopt that mentality. It's basically what you just said. And so teachers who, first of all, you want to get kids producing, whether they're drawing or writing or storytelling, whatever they're doing. And then really good teachers will use that work to celebrate what the child can do and also to help the teacher know if a child's using invented spelling to write something, a teacher can look at that and tell 
what sort of phonics lessons that child needs based on how their writing looks. So without saying, oh, you spelled that wrong, you, you know, you, you, that's not the right sound, that's, those aren't the letters that, that make that particular sound, 44 sounds in the English language and only 26 letters. So there are all these, it's tricky. So teachers can use that information to, to sort of customize their, their teaching for that particular child, maybe pull some kids together who need the same thing. At the same time, they're collecting that work and making what, in, in the case of writing in school, it's called a writing portfolio. So a teacher might save a child's writing along, along the way, and then periodically during the year, sit down with that child and sort of lay out some samples and say, what can you tell me about this? And give the child sort of a moment to reflect, like, oh my goodness, I used to write it this way, and now I write it this way that's great and let them really sort of own their own progress and their and their own success yeah. so similar to how you're building your collection children do that too with their I just think there's something great. very oh sorry to cut you off I just no, think no, there's no. something very seriously to be proud of about like so if I've got a kid and they and I, I I'll do this when I do visit a school I'll challenge the kids I'll say okay I'm going to teach you how to fold a piece of paper into a book and this is the book challenge uh you know can you make a book can you write a story in your book that will make me laugh and so the kids will go and they'll write stories in their books and their goal is to try to make me laugh mm -hmm. i think there's something very praiseworthy about a kid who just they're working with what they got mm -hmm. uh to to make something that genuinely will accomplish the goal of making me laugh and that and like they're going to write a story that's funny and they're going to use whatever they've got. They're going to use the vocabulary that they currently have and the ideas of how to spell words that they've currently got. And mm -hmm. I just think the the skill of being able to take the what you know how to do right now and use it to produce something that's going to accomplish a goal is more worthy of being focused on than whatever it is that they got wrong. Uh, but I'm not a teacher, so I don't know the challenges of trying to do that while at the same time, like correcting. Say if I find out that you really like writing about dragons and you think that dragons do funny things, then I'm going to help you with skills related to that. I'm going to teach you some vocabulary related to your interest. I'm going to teach you some sound spelling um, related to your interest so that I'm feeding your passion and helping you yeah. to evolve. And I might not even tell you I'm doing that. I would yeah. do that for you because that's what yeah. you want to that's what you want to pursue right now. Nancy, this has been a super interesting conversation and I could talk to you uh forever, <laughs> but I'm out of time. But one sure. question I did want to ask you before we go is based on the work that you guys have been doing to develop this curriculum, what's mm -hmm. some advice that you could offer to someone else who is developing curriculum for weaving in SEL instead of having it be tacked on? I would say um I mean, for me, it's finding great books that that pull everything together for what you want to teach, um, and basing that on the you know interests of the children in your class, basing that on um, what particular skills you're trying to teach them. If you want, if you're teaching them math skills, find really great stories about that have math in them that you can tease out, um, and make sure that in every book. I mean, one of the things we thought of in the very beginning was that even if we wanted to integrate social and emotional learning, that those would be different books than the other books. And they're really not. If you look at, because of the theory that all of these skills that we're teaching and all of these things that people do in their lives, they almost always touch on one of, one of the mind builder skills, whether it's a social skill or an emotional skill or one of those sort of self-regulation skills um, or a motivation and creativity skill. Um, 
you can find those in almost every book and don't let them pass you by. Really teach them when you see them, talk about them, practice them in class, do an activity, do a game, play a game that's related to one of those skills that came up in the book. So children are taking that learning from the book and using it and connecting it to their own lives and then they'll remember it and strengthen those skills themselves. Awesome. Nancy, thank you so much for being on my podcast. Where do you want to send listeners to check out the work that you've been doing and for how to connect with you? Um, I would say I should have had this teed up, but I did not. Make sure I'm giving you the right thing. <laughs> I think it's www.scholastic slash pre-K on my way. Um, pre-K on my way. Website. But that's the name of, of it is pre-K on my way. Yeah, that's the name of our curriculum that we just developed. Okay. So you can learn all about it if, you, if, you, uh, if you're curious to learn more. Um, and then, uh, to connect to with you, connect with me. I'm on Twitter. Um, I am, uh, I think I'm in Garrity pin <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. So they're using the search for both of these things. Yeah, they're going to search the much. name of the curriculum. It's scholastic.com. <laughs> they're going to search your name I know on Twitter. The name of the curriculum. I just don't know the URL. <laughs> well, um, hopefully, uh, we could get, I, I could just attach those links to the show notes. Thank you so okay. much for being on my podcast, you. Nancy. You've been wonderful. Oh, it's a pleasure, Timmy. Good to see you.